I know something about renovating houses. <laughs> because I'm married to a lady, notice I changed that from a woman to a lady, who, who loves to renovate houses. The first house we owned out in uh, River North, I came home one day and uh, discovered that some damage had been done to the house. Uh, the kitchen was here, sink there, and so forth. And at the end of the counter in the kitchen, there was a wall. And the other side of the wall and the opening there with a the refrigerator rack, there was, there was the den, sliding glass doors over here, uh, et cetera. And I came home, that wall was gone. She had decided she didn't want that cooped up feeling in the, in the kitchen so she proceeded to take the wall down. We, we got a uh, carpenter to come in and, and make it like she wanted it uh, to be, for she's far better at tearing out than replacing. <laughs> but, uh, and that continues to be uh, the case. She, uh, <laughs> she, she renovated uh, two lake houses up at uh, Sinclair. Uh, she's in the process of... Uh, doing another place here in, in town, uh, rental uh, property. Uh, so I know, I, I'm an authority on this subject that is the series subject for today, uh, renovating our home. But of course you understand immediately that I'm talking about the difference between houses and homes. There is a, a difference as you know. We have in the passage of scripture which Charles read for us a moment ago, what is referred to as the Shema, uh, the Lord thy God is one, shall love the Lord thy God with thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, etc. You recall when Jesus was asked what is the great commandment, he, he quoted the Shema. Uh, you see that there is uh, instructions given by God what to do with this and how to make this the, the heart of our faith and our belief. Uh, I think of... of the family as being the core unit of God's plan for our society and our world. It's a core unit. When God wanted to firmly establish in his people the truth about himself and the relationship with him, he didn't talk about the synagogue first. He didn't talk about institutions of education. He didn't talk about churches as we understand them uh, today. He talked about the family. For this is the core unit which God provides for us to make us into the characters that he wants us to be. And that is to be a child of his. The scripture again and again talks about the the father and the child relationship. Talks about what it means to be in the family of God. We're focusing today specifically on that challenge that God gives us to be the core unit. In this passage that was read, the emphasis, you'll notice that he says, this is to be in your heart, not in your mind, not be some academic uh, assent to agreeing that that is a true statement, but something that's in our heart, in our being, our very soul, not our head. 
and it is therefore to be a first-hand experience, not to second-hand, not something you've heard about, but something which we have experienced in our relationship with God. And then God tells the Hebrew people that he wants them to teach this diligently, not casually, not haphazardly, but diligently with great force to impress them upon the uh, hearts and minds of the children. And he says, you're to do this uh, all the time. He says that you're to do it when you lie down, when you get up, when you're sitting around the house, uh, to do this on all occasions. We would add, uh, modernize the, the challenge for us, is that uh, as you're riding along in the car, as you're engaged in some uh, leisure activity in the backyard, as you're sitting around the table, uh, I, I use a term, the kitchen table classroom, is where so many of our values are, are uh, taught. Not sitting down with a textbook and turn to page 68, we're going to start on chapter 5 today. No, not that formal, but in... We, the things that we talk about that are important to us and our attitude about those things that are important to us, that is, they are our values, are communicated to our children in a leisurely manner. It is with diligence, it is intentional, but yet it is in an informal relationship that, that invades all of life. He said, uh, to help you remember this, you are to have the phylactery, which you nail on the uh, doorposts of your uh, home, and we have one at the front door and we have one at the back door, and, and contained in those are these commandments. And this is a time to re for us to remember, to, to hold, hold up as be something that we stake our lives on, that we are called to be God's core unit. We have a little thing in our preaching team where we meet on Monday afternoons like I've uh, referred to before and uh, plan together our sermons and we share ideas and, and concepts. And uh, one of the things we often do is to have an outline similar to the one Ali Hollis used uh, last week. You remember she got up and said, I have five F's. And she proceeded to talk about uh, the family and the fellowship and the friendship and, and the faith and so on. Uh, so, uh, Allie and I picked this, the letter C this today. To, and only three, not, not, uh, not five. <laughs> not yet anyway. <laughs> and and they, are, they are this. With regard to the core unit. There is a crisis. There is a cause for that crisis, and there's a cure for that crisis. The crisis is, uh, as you would suspect, is in the family, in our society. You know, uh, we use the core unit concept. We think back of the Three Mile Island nuclear plant that had a meltdown of the core and radiation was spread through that part of, of our nation. Uh, which was a drastic thing and many steps have been taken since then to prevent that kind of thing from happening again. But there are many who have, have uh, uh, 
identified a different kind of core unit meltdown in the family. Lundberg says the family is near the point of extinction. Now, he, he, he wrote that back in the 1980s. Wolf says that the family is dead except for the first year or two of child raising, and this will be its only function. Margaret Mead said 25, 35 years ago, in 50 years, the family as we know it will no longer exist. Alvin Toffler, who uh, talked a lot about the, the future, says that serial polygamy, succession of marriages, and divorce, and the high divorce rate. Every marriage more than two weeks old, there are grounds for divorce. The trick is to find the ground for marriage in that relationship. So there are many who have talked the demise of the family and say the, that core unit has melted down. But that need not be the case. A little girl came home from kindergarten. I bet Dawn was her teacher. And she talked about a story that she had heard. And she began to tell this story uh, about uh, the prince and the young lady and how they fell in love and so forth. And she got towards the end of it. He said, and mama, do you know what they did? And she gave that traditional ending of these kinds of stories. She said, uh, well, they lived happily ever after. And the little girl said, no, they didn't. They got married. <laughs> the woman was getting on the public bus with eight children. And the bus driver sort of chuckled a little bit. He says, lady, are all those children yours or are you on a picnic? She looked him in the eye and said, they're all mine and I'll guarantee you it ain't no picnic. <laughs> Some have prophesied the demise of the family. And where that has been accurate, we find a lot of truth to that pessimism. Every group I'm in that talks about what's wrong with our society and what's causing it and what can we do about it, we don't talk long before we say the problem lies where? With the family. Why are we having rioting in our streets? Why are we having the weekend uh, drive-by shooter process in our own community. Again and again, we trace it back to the lack of having a strong family in order to pass on to our children the values. Now, we can talk about various kinds of causes for this. Our failure to understand God's plan for the family, to understand that we have left what God has said for us behind and made up our own rules and regulations. Society is not friendly to the family. The pressures of work schedules for fathers and for mothers, the financial pressures, many mothers having to work in order to pay the bills who'd rather be at home nurturing their children, secular humanism, 
that pragmatic uh, relativism where there are no absolutes, so no rights and wrongs. Whatever right for you is good for you. The idea, if it feels good, do it, etc. The radical feminism that's implied that staying home and taking care of the children is somehow degrading to a woman. There's that selfish materialism that we want a lot of things that require our devotion to our jobs exceeding that of our devotion to our families. And of course, there's always that uh, looming in behind every difficulty in our society, the entertainment industry, which portrays uh, evil as good. So we have a crisis in the American family. The large number of children born out of birth, out of, out of family, the high number of homes where there's no father in residence, all lead to it, the crisis that we are discussing. Now, what is the cure? The scripture is, gives us the, the clue. If we talk about renovation, one of the things that we want to be quite sure about is that we have a firm foundation. In the process of renovating that kitchen I described earlier, we had a problem with a floor that was not level. If you were to put a golf ball down at any place in that kitchen, uh, it would start rolling in one direction or, or another. So uh, she managed to convince me that I needed to go under the house, under the kitchen, get, uh, get some kind of uh, uh, jack that would jack up the floor and, and flatten that out. It was an interesting experience. <laughs> and, and, and I succeeded in, in doing that, that the, the golf balls no longer tried to escape the, the, the kitchen. It was discovered that if we wanted the main floor to be what it should be, it had to be on a foundation that could support it in a flat, even manner. So it is with us. When we make the love of God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we hold to those values within our families, then we need to let that be an intentional high priority in all that we do, all that we say, in the way we make our decisions, in the things that the, the way the children pick up on the values that we espouse in our terms of, uh, of speaking of other people in a judgmental fashion. We, we create a negative image in their minds and in their hearts. We affirm the definition of Scripture that for this cause... A man will leave his family and marry his wife. Again and again, the scripture emphasizes one man and one woman in this covenant uh, union. One of the problems is our effort on the part of some to redefine the meaning of 
marriage. I mentioned some Sundays ago that if you have a dog here and I ask the question, if we, if we pretend that the tail of the dog is a leg, then how many legs does the dog have? The initial action is, well, five. No, four. Because calling the dog's tail a leg doesn't make it a leg. Calling some relationships a marriage that are not does not make it so. And the stability of our society, the refocusing upon the sacred trust of that sacred union where Jesus says, and let not man put asunder. We need to be, not be afraid of setting boundaries and disciplines. We are to be firm in the family, but not in anger, as Paul discusses in uh, Ephesians. We are to be consistent, that is, within individuals and between parents when it comes to a time of disciplining the children and setting the boundaries for them. Notice the, the inclusiveness of God's instructions to his people. Do this intentionally. Do it all the time, not part-time. Day and night when you lie down, when you get up, etc. We're to be consistent. We must be willing for our families to be Christian families with a distinctive difference. Will Willimon was a professor at uh, Duke University, now uh, a bishop, and he tells of an experience he had in Greenville, South Carolina, and talking one day with the local rabbi. And the rabbi was showing some anxiety, some concern about it was difficulty in getting the message across to the Jewish families in the community in terms of uh, who they are and how they're to live. And he described that it was, we, we say to our children, you know, you're, you're not like to be, you're not supposed to be like everybody else. You're different. You're Jewish. You have a different set of values. You have a different worldview as you live your days in our society. And Will Willimon said, you know, that's interesting. I talked with a group of young adults in my church just this past week. And I, in essence, said exactly the same thing to them. That we are to have a distinctiveness about us, a distinctiveness about our families, and that, that we help our youth not yield to that power that is so strong in our societies that, that we usually call peer pressure. And let us be quick to add that the only place where peer pressure presides is among adolescents and children you, one, two, three, and I, 
have the same pressure we allow to be put upon ourselves in the decisions that we make, the way we spend our money, how and where and when we socialize with others around us. How do we work out the um, fulfilling of our responsibility to God within the family of God, which is the church? There's a distinctiveness that says, God is saying, you're, you're different. You should be marching to a different drama. You should be taking that road less traveled as the way God wants you to go and wants your family to go. And there'll be much pressure that will try to make it otherwise. But you're to stand firm. You're to be What can we do about the core unit? So much of what we're trying to do uh, in these days in this church is that everything we're trying to do sooner or later has a focus on helping families be the core unit God wants these families to be, to assist them, to help with the training, to help with conveying the message that they need to hear and they need to practice and they need to live before them. So I invite you to let God, if necessary, renovate your family. Not your house, your home, your family relationships, centered around this great truth that you're to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is our foundation. Let us pray. Enable us, our Heavenly Father, to feel the touch of your hand upon our shoulder and say, did you get that? Did you hear it? Will you be a part of the cure? And will you in your own families and the other families that you know through the church, through the PTA, through the business vocational relationships, that we'll stand firm on the everlasting foundation, which is Jesus Christ our Lord.